4: Peacock is streaming your favorite shows Movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals And every live WWE pay-per-view It's The Office, Chrisley knows best And Peacock original shows like Funky Brewster Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more Stream now at PeacockTV.com Thank you
0: for being a friend Travel down the road
1: Thank you for being a friend, listener, and for being a listener on this voyage into the damned, this incredible realm of music that we fight our way through every single week and have been doing so now for almost two years. It's episode 100 of No Encore. We want to thank you one more time, and it starts like this. Con ready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 100. <laughs> Whoa! Woo! Oh, we it. It's we 100. made it. episode <laughs> 100. We made it, lads. <laughs> Hard to believe, isn't it? It's the last episode.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It must be said, uh, Dave's decision to list episodes as 001 is really paying off. We could could have been hitting a Y2K situation here otherwise.
1: (laughs) No, I'm glad to say that there's no Millennium Bug. (laughs) Although I am annoyed that I didn't title the last episode 99 episodes, but a glitch ain't one. Sure. Or a glitch ain't fun, one of those. But unfortunately, we (laughs) we went the other way, man. That's what happened. But yeah, it's episode 100,
3: episode 100. We are now Centurions. Yeah. How do we feel? I feel great. They said it wouldn't last. I remember um friend of the show and I, th- I think still regular listener, Andrew Duffy, when we first started <laughs> saying, Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun for you lads. And, you know, if you get, you get 10 episodes out of it, that'd be a great achievement. <laughs> so thanks for Andrew has been, vote of confidence, Andrew. Andrew has been a constant. He's been <laughs> yeah. a constant
1: thorn in the side of the podcast, and I'm glad he's still with us. Uh, as is tradition, it's time to bring back an old segment... Oh. Oh, the can opening. Drinking a can of beer on the podcast. Woo! Cheers, guys, across the table, let's Cheers, do it. Lad, yeah, come on. Your rouches. Rouches. I said I wasn't gonna drink today and here I am. <laughs> I know, yeah. It's a
2: celebration. I said I wasn't gonna drink this week and yeah, it's just gone terrible. Well,
1: I am I am literally honest. buzzing, as you guys know. Oh, yeah, you've, <laughs> you've got, you got, new got body a chess piece on your arm. I got a chess piece on my arm. I got some new ink today, guys. <laughs> That's a new podcast. Uh no encore ink.
3: Are you good at chess?
1: Uh, here's the story Are you not just really, really
3: into the wu No, there's
1: not really a story behind this apart from the fact that I bought this lovely chess set back in the day in yes. Rome, of all places It was a marble chess set with alabaster pieces Very heavy <laughs> Brought it back to the to the Irish shore and I've never played a single game on it, ever which oh. is really sad and also one day I woke up back in Dorado when I used to live at home and I looked down at the foot of my bed, and I guess I came in hammered, and I stood on it and cracked it into two pieces. Oh, my God. So, much that must like... must have been some step to crack a marble board. And not actually realize you did it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Fusion nightclub, everybody. Did don't go the there. Did you the pieces? Uh, the whole thing is there, because I put it back together. Okay. Using glue, masking tape, and uh, grit and determination.
3: So, you it added did... character in a great story.
1: Yep, and I feel like the chess set represents me. Broken, but whole. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I'm very happy with the. I'm very happy. Broken bottle. Oh no! Come on, don't lower. And a walking contradiction. Broken, but fighting on <laughs> how's that is that better <laughs> that's Jesus. like
3: the no encore slogan isn't it
1: <laughs> slightly shattered <Yeah. laughs> but doing our best and uh, yeah very happy with my new tattoo thank you very much to Jack Mangan in the ink factory they don't sponsor the show but if they did I would give them just a big recommendation because it's really nice isn't it lads it is Lovely. yeah it looks very happy about it. Hit, hit up my Instagram if you oh, want to see a oh, really <laughs> Flexing, you flexing for the, for the gram. Gram. <laughs> I've yet to do so, but I think I will literally flex for the ground in should. this situation. Uh, now that we've lost all of our listenership, <laughs> let's kick into the show proper,
2: shall we? Yeah, let's indeed. And uh, someone else who was courting controversy, trying to lose as many fans as possible, it seems, and they're certainly successful if they were trying, Longitude
1: announced their lineup last week, and... Yeah, it didn't go down brilliantly. This feels like it happened more than a week ago, to be honest with you. Uh, and I should say, breaking news, SZA has just been added to Longitude. I well, gathered that was happening. In yeah. the last hour or so. I think she might be on the Sunday. The Sunday's looking very, very good indeed. Yeah. So yeah, I was working last week when this broke, and straight to social media, of course. Um, a lot of people not happy about the Longitude lineup. A lot of people are also happy about it. It's kind of a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, look, this festival started in 2013. Craig, I believe you were at the first one.
3: I was indeed, yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's a great location, first and foremost. And it was initially, obviously, very kind of indie band heavy and kind of, you know, uh, fair-weather festival-goer friendly. And it's gone. it's, it's, it's basically kind of specialised now and it's picked its audience and the kind of wider audience don't seem pleased.
1: Well, this is the thing. I mean, that... that first festival right you had Craftwork Vampire Weekend and Yayayez Ye Ye I mm. think were the top three then the following year I think you had Hozier, Chemical Brothers and someone else whose name escapes me in the in recent years though it's gone a lot younger the crowd yeah. skews a lot younger I mean it's basically the new Oxygen I mean like it's like a post-leaving third party and probably in some cases a junior third party based what I've heard over the years I've yet to go um, the atmosphere and the environment doesn't really seem conducive to my festival hiatus which of course is still in play
3: <laughs> you mean the festival atmosphere isn't conducive to your festival hiatus still on festival <laughs>
1: hiatus uh, however Cos Heroes did not count because the city Base festival. Anyway, uh, yes. So basically, J Cole, Travis Scott, and Solange are your top three headliners this year. They lead a charge which includes the likes of Migos, Post Malone, Diplo, Tyler, the Creator, Anderson Pack, Sampha, SZA, Khalid, Cardi B, Jay Huss, Joey Badass, The Internet. Uh, Big Shack, Princess Nokia, mm. and so on. Uh, I count ten names on this list, uh, which I haven't finished the full list here. But like, I count at least ten names that I, were unfamiliar to me, and I'm a fucking music journalist. But I did see an awful lot of people on Twitter, including music journalists, almost like sporting this as a badge of honor, including. That they well. didn't know who these people were. It's like, hang on. In the, well, in the case of music journalism in particular, it's literally your fucking job yeah. Yeah. to keep up and like you know see what is cool with the kids. I guess. I mean, like this lineup isn't going to entice me to go. The Sunday looks pretty. Sunday good, looks good. And if it's, yeah. if it is chill as it seems to be traditionally, then cool. I might I might actually attend it. But here's the thing. I mean, I don't see why people are so head up about it because first of all, you can't you're not talking about like a festival that's run for 50 years that has suddenly betrayed its identity. (laughs) It has found its audience. Audiences change, trends change, and like, they now serve an audience that they've cultivated over recent years. It's smart business. I think this, I think on the business side of things, this is one of the best lines I've ever seen. Sure. Because it's going to sell out in seconds. Uh, By the time this podcast comes out, it's probably going to be sold out. And, the demographic that is going to this festival are pretty fucking happy, and also you know, like it's it's really good as well to see like a more hip hop and R and B flavored yeah. festival because there's a bit of a, a bit of an ugly subtext as well. Uh, yeah, you've had your kind of pub dickheads who are like, where are the killers and Kings of Leon? We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But I mean, at the same time, there's also a lot of people who are kind of like black people. Black music,
3: what? Not literally saying that. No, but (laughs) but they might as
1: well be saying it because there's a there's a way, like you know, like oh, I I don't go for that urban stuff. Me, yeah,
3: I do think there's also even if it's not um, pure racism, um, there is (laughs) there has been an aspect. (laughs) There has, yeah, there has. But there's also that kind of thought that hip hop and rap acts just can't do it live. And that sure. has really changed, I think, in the last five years. As kind of every kind of artist under sun has had to make their living playing live because no one's buying music. You'll find That's ver- all changed. You'll find like, very yeah.
2: similar with electronic and producers yes. and stuff. When it's just like, oh, it's a bloke with a laptop. Yeah. Where again, that that has evolved as well. Like.
1: Yeah, I, like I mean, the, the it's main, a show for a lot yeah. of artists, you might anticipate, would just have a black backdrop and nothing else.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that that I'd say is that. You know, first of all, it's not like you're short of choice in Ireland at this stage. If this was indeed, you know, back in the day and it was like, you know, oxygen, let's say, where... There was, frankly, maybe one alternative in the shape of the electric picnic, and that was about it. Now you're talking about a situation where you obviously have picnic. You also have, like, body and soul. You step down a little bit and you have, like, independence, life festivals, sea sessions, castle palooza. Basically, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, there's so many festivals out there. The one thing I think that's a mitigating factor here, and I've said this before, is that when you've got the sort of in-the-city festivals where people will head along for a day rather than a weekend. They just want, you know, the sort of convenient oh, this is something for everybody, which is Really, really difficult to do at the best of times. Yeah. And as you said, Dave, probably isn't a, a great business model when it's going to end up with 10 people kind of fighting it out in the same area.
3: I think Dave kind of nailed it when he was like, it's not like some heritage festival that's betraying its roots. Uh. Uh, like, you know, we've talked about Glastonbury in the past and kind of the ridiculousness of saying Kanye shouldn't be there, Jay Z shouldn't be there. But you can understand why it becomes such a big conversation because it's like this kind of 50 year thing. The general public in the UK feels like it has this sense of ownership over it. Whereas this is just like longitude, it's been around for like a bit you know it's grand it changes it's trying to find its feet
1: it's still establishing
3: itself yeah, yeah
1: and ultimately I think it's making the right moves and again I mean like you don't have to go to it. <laughs> yeah. You can just not go out that weekend yeah. or you can go to a different festival that caters to your needs. I think it's, you know, a storm in a teacup for sure, but it's been an interesting one to follow and I, I like I say, I am surprised by some people who I'm like, shouldn't you know better and be you know, really? Like is yeah. this? Uh, also shout out to friend of the show, Sean Conroy, who made a hilarious <laughs> alternate poster, oh, which yeah. was fantastic and it, like he had like, no scary black people was one of the acts playing on the Sunday <laughs> some lad with a banjo, etc. And of course there was a great moment when someone replied to him and they were like uh, you know, it's very male-focused, isn't it? And then he did a parody version of his own parody poster in which he, like, removed all the ma- like the women acts on it. All- removed all the males. Nothing yeah. if not meta. Yeah, so it was very, very funny. Um, but yeah, you mentioned festivals that have a long-running identity and establishment. Cullum, who's playing Reading and Leeds this year? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, in contrast to the positive-looking Sunday longitude, Longitude, uh, the crowd at... Uh, Reading on Sunday will be treated to Kings of Leon headlining, uh, the Courtiners, just below that. Sorry,
1: the Courtiners? I don't understand this at all.
2: Yeah, so they're from Manchester. Second it's on a the thing.
1: bill. Yeah,
2: but it, it's it's very it's very difficult it's, to explain. Like I've said to you, Quartiers tour date it, like tour listing is insane. Where they play like five hundred person capacity arenas everywhere until they get to Manchester at which point they need like a stadium gig
3: yeah but Reading and Leeds aren't in Manchester I, I, know, <laughs> I, know, I know I know I can only see there's some spillover I can only see them they're, spillover. T- I can only see some they're more trying some yeah. down the M4
2: for the weekend yeah uh, that day also both uh, the Wombats of course uh, a, a couple of crossovers from uh, Longitude Jay Hoos and Diplo amongst them and uh, yeah elsewhere the weekend you've got Panic at the Disco Kendrick Lamar on the Saturday Obviously, getting the thumbs up here. Fallout Boy, Post Malone and Wolf, Alice the Big acts on the Friday in Reading. It's, yeah.
1: But here's the thing. Okay, so friend of the show, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's 100 episodes. It's 100 episodes, so we're allowed to call our friends of the show. Friend of the show, Dave Higgins, who has guested before and will hopefully again, he sent me this poster, which by the way, looks like it was done up in MS Paint. Uh-huh. Unlike the Longinchy poster, it's not as, you know, well designed. It's all yellow and red. And basically, he said, this looks like enemy. Complex and Kerrang! magazine respectively each curated a day and then they just shuffled it yeah. because you have like the likes of Papa Roach and Some 41 sharing like space with Dua Lipa I know. and yeah. Brockhampton and then you have The Blaze along with fucking Hudson Taylor and it goes on in that vein. Uh, my new favourite name all of music by the way, and I'm told he's actually quite good is Ski Mask the Slump God
0: <laughs> who is
1: playing sure. on Sunday I was going to use that name Damn it. <laughs> My boys, Hollywood Undead, are playing on the Sunday. Glad yeah. to see that they're still fighting that weird fight that they're all about. There's the magician who I've already quipped. a hate and false advertising. I hope he's a local wizard type who yeah, just no, says, no, no. Okay. No, he played uh, Let it go calm. Yeah. There was one moment in the sign though where I genuinely felt like how everyone felt about the longish lineup when they felt out of touch because there's one act here on Saturday and it's called uh, <laughs> Netsky B two B Yows B
3: two B Slushy and
1: I was like that's just made up. what, yeah. is, th- what is that? That caught
3: my eye as well. I, I mean, think it's like- three DJs back to back. Is that what that is? No, is that it's just like- a band that consists exclusively of memes playing keyboards. Yeah.
2: <laughs> or are they just like business to business
1: selling live on stage? Yeah, synergy. I love how pleasingly deranged this lineup is. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's so funny. And I know they run I run. Can't risk wait of- to see the photos from like, the crowd. I run the risk of like hypocrisy being like ragging on a festival when I'm kind of you know coming to bat for longitude, but this genuinely, genuinely feels like three different teams on The Apprentice, yeah. <laughs> like just cobbling it together. Yeah, it's so strange.
2: It it is odd. I mean, look, I've said before though that like with the number of festivals that are out there now, like it was always going to reach saturation point, and it was going to require I think of like specialization in the in the form of longitude, or Going the opposite direction and trying to cater to absolutely everybody, yeah. which appears to be what's happening at Reading right now. One way or another, whether a lineup suits you or not, here's the guarantee, right? If there is a major touring band in Europe at any point next summer, they will most likely play Ireland. So even if it's not on the longitude lineup, if you're looking for those bands, they're going to be Picnic, they're going to be Independence, they're going to do Three Arena, they're going to do Marley Park is going to be something.
3: Well then, doesn't it just scream of the people that are complaining are the people that are just like, well, I want to go to this one because everyone I know is going to go and it's convenient. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And like, I live in Goatstown.
1: Yeah. A load of privileged nonsense. (laughs) Lastly, and I'll try and make this the last Friends of the Show shout-out because it's shouting out our new friends of the show who reached out to us on Twitter. Buddies. And they are welcome on any time. Hell yeah. We hope that Reading and Leeds will in fact bring back Daphne and Celeste. (laughs) Damn right. Put things right, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So... Shall we move on to Craig's favourite segment of the show ever? Oh, let's. Come on, let's do it. All right. Attention, everyone.
4: One, one. Shut up. Craig on Kanye.
3: Yes, it's back. And he is back. It's Kanye West. And, um, yeah, he's had, like, his long social media hiatus, um, which we totally respect him for and makes a lot of sense. But he couldn't resist on Valentine's Day. and um, Love was in the air, so he got back on the gramme. And started posting photos of Like some very sensible kind of amazing celebrity couples And some other very strange choices Like Pamela Anderson and every awful prick she ever Yeah, went basically, words? yeah And then, of course, Kim Ye. The word random is, is, is
2: blatantly abused uh, in, in, in modern society. Yet,
1: random couples is the only way you can describe this strange collage that overtook it. Have you ever seen John Cena's Instagram? No. Oh. He posts a random photograph every day and never explains it. Oh, okay. That's the gimmick. It's just quirky-like. Yep. Is that all he does? I Well, he also wrestles. Oh, okay.
3: He's a wrestler.
1: <laughs> and he's and an he didn't retire now. from he's wrestling just well. to
3: focus on his... Yeah. Yeah, about it, to voice Ferdinand the Bull.
1: No, that's already been out, man. Oh, is it? He's uh that, that that's been and gone from the cinemas, I believe. Did alright, nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. And uh, I believe he's going to be in the first Transformers spin-off movie. He's playing Hayley Stainfield's dad in Bumblebee. Oh my god. god. Upcoming. So he's a crossover star. We're Just gonna talk to to. We're gonna talk about crossover stars pretty soon in the yeah. show. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately you have to bring the tone down a little bit because there was some very very sad news last weekend. Uh, rather shocking news when Johan Johansson, the award-winning Icelandic composer behind such scores as Sicario and Arrival, died. Uh, He passed away suddenly on Friday the 9th of February in Berlin. The cause of his death is currently unknown. He was 48 years of age. He survived by his parents, his sister and his daughter. Um, A really prolific musician and composer, released an awful lot of albums under his own name and did various kind of side projects and was really coming to the fore as a the kind of great composer for hire uh, in recent months he was bounced off the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack when Dennis Villeneuve apparently went back to a more Vangelis style yeah. arrangement and that is a good soundtrack but I would or a score rather I'd like to have heard what Johansson brought to it Sicario in particular when I saw that in the cinema um, have you guys seen it actually?
3: no I haven't actually no.
1: it's excellent you okay. really should check it out and when I left the cinema I felt dizzy and just like I thought I was going to f- faint and a large part of that was because of how intense uh, the kind of drone like rumbling of a score was it's just really low key and gets right under your skin I'm pretty sure he knew what he was doing in terms of just like using frequencies to get inside your fucking head yeah. he was such a talent and it's it's just really really sad news it's it's rather awful and there was a, a nice anecdote one of many doing the rounds on Twitter when the uh, award winning multi-instrument Himself, Olaf Arnolds, said that his favourite Johann story is when he'd spent a year writing the score for Darren Aronofsky's mother, and at some point realised the film was better with no music at all. He proceeded to convince Darren Aronofsky to delete everything. It takes a real selfless artist to do that, to realise that the piece is better without you. The most important part of creating art is the process, and Johann seemed to understand process. The score needed to be written first in order to realize that it was redundant. So in my view, Mother still has a score by Johan. The score is just silence, deafening, genius silence. And I've seen Mother, and Mother, you know, it's got problems. I mean, it's basically an allegory for two hours, and a lot of people are annoyed by it, but it is an incredible, like, it's a real visceral film. It's a hell of a tour de force from everyone involved, and Jennifer Lawrence, who I'm the biggest fan of, is absolutely fucking incredible in it. It's so unnerving as a film, as a, as a piece of material. It really, really gets to you, and it's difficult to fucking, I haven't got around to it yet here. It It's tough going, it's Mm. tough going, but I don't think I'll ever need to see it again. But I I liked it for what it was, I respect it for what it is, I know that there are a lot of very, you know, like, man-creating art, and women aren't that important arguments against it, but I do think Aronofsky is also kind of holding up a mirror to himself in that movie. But you do feel that you do actually feel the lack of music in it like the, it's all diegetic sound or whatever and it, it's it makes the whole thing a lot more unnerving i'm not sure it would have worked with a score no matter how good it was but yeah and i've been listening to some of johansson's work uh, in recent days i was into a compilation and yeah just really interesting stuff he pushed a lot of people he made a lot of other people kind of realize that that he was like this level above them and i think people yeah. kind of went to meet him in earnest so it's a tragic tragic loss
2: Yeah, orchestral electronics were his his thing And I think, yeah, he did sort of push the envelope in that regard Um, IBM 1401, 1401, whatever you want to call it, I don't know but uh it is a staggering piece of music, it's absolutely fantastic. I've been given that a few spins uh over the past few days. I have to admit that his solo work is something that I was relatively unfamiliar with, I would have known his soundtracking and his scoring more. But uh worth checking out and obviously yeah, a very sad loss.
3: Yeah, no, I would have been in the same boat and actually there's a really good um K E X P session that he did. It's like a fifty minute thing, and it's him with the American Contemporary um music ensemble and it's it's a kind of really good kind of primer, I think, for the kind of solo work he was doing. Um so that's an interesting listen if you want to check that out. But yeah, uh, awful loss.
1: Rest in peace, Johan Johansson, thank you for all of your work. Staying in the world of movies and music and ringing the tone up a little bit, uh, the news has come out that James Hetfield is set to make his professional acting debut in the Zac Efron, Ted Bundy biopic. Yes. I know, did you know about this? I feel like Jay Leno, hey, you heard about this? No. <laughs> but this is a thing! The film is called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, in which Zac Efron plays the infamous serial killer Ted Bundy. Now it's being directed by a guy called Joe Berlinger, or Berlinger, who uh, his credits include Book of Shadows: Blair Witch Two, which, <sighs> which ain't great. But he's one half of the directing team behind my favorite documentary, Some Kind of Monster. Well, that gets my thumbs up, yeah. Which is 141 minutes of pure chaos, and everyone needs to see it if you haven't already. So he's already been behind the camera with James in front of him. So yeah, he clearly
3: saw something there that he wanted to capture again in a kind of um, well semi-fictional setting. But yeah, this is this is definitely very interesting kind of move. I can see him totally working though. Do you know what I mean? He has that intensity He has that kind of presence He's playing a tough cop Yeah that, so, Of course Yeah he can do that for sure I also love like Zach Efron playing Ted Bundy It's just completely continuing This thing of just like Ted Bundy was the really Handsome serial killer I guy, know what, what a rake, yeah. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> what a charmer Before he strangled those women Oh man um, yeah. a little cad he was My, my favourite James Hetfield thing Still remains the fact That he's like this Massive beekeeper that is the best that is the absolute best and when he was just like one word of warning if you're keeping bees don't wear black because they think you're a bear (laughs) and they attack you well Um, he you know
1: he casts a very troubled figure in some kind of monster as you would when you're trying to recover from alcoholism and also have Lars Ulrich in the same room as you (laughs) for months on end which is worse I'll call this more Lars Ulrich. Well, let's not be too mean, shall we? But they're both, you know, their own charmingly depressing things, I suppose. So, uh, we thought for the 100th episode, we might as well bring back another feature. Can I have some jaunty top 10 music, please, Eve? thanks that's right it's the top 10 and this time i've wrestled control away from colin morrigan to Come do far, it, to do it myself whoops that's me pressing play on the trailer for some kind of monster that's what happens when Cole's not in charge of the top 10 <laughs> i'm just obsessed with some kind of monster so yes i have done the top 10 worst acting performances by musicians ever to hit the screen all right okay at number 10 it's james hetfield <laughs> in some kind of monster <laughs> A documentary totally counts, especially when it's some kind of monster. Uh, If you love Metallica, if you hate Metallica, you still have to see it. It's the real-life Spinal Tap. And like I say, Hetfield veers. He runs the gamut of emotion from troubled soul to, you know, good old-fashioned country boy. But for the crime of not being able to string a melody together and having the rest of the band have to do it for him, including stand-in bassist Bob Rock, he of ridiculously silken golden hair and tight leather jackets fame... It's, it's, I'm sorry mate, you know, it's just number 10, you're number 10 on my list, that, that's how it works. At number 9, Justin Timberlake, who's having a pretty wretched month uh, for his block of wood, although a very handsome block of wood, performance in In Time. Ah, uh, okay, I haven't seen that. Do you reckon bad, he was in the film.
3: running for Ted Bundy?
1: Timberlake? Yeah. Uh, I'd say he was like, I'm too busy with this woodland folk... <laughs> Dance album yeah, He's more Unabomber
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah well you know We won't say the to boot too much Because we've done that last week yeah. Check our episode last week If you want to hear more Justin Timberlake bashing At number 8 David Bowie's accent In The Prestige Yeah good shout He plays Nikola Tesla And it's a perfectly fine performance In a perfectly fine film
3: But his accent man but His accent in Twin Peaks "Far Walk With Me as well Is bizarre <laughs> oh, oh, he, he does the Texas accent. He does the he's Bayou like, thing yeah.
1: You see that guy over there
4: Cole Yeah
1: Well, in this film, he sounds like Pierce Brosnan doing James Bond, (laughs) which is really strange. Um, I mean, like, maybe it was a deliberate move from Christopher Nolan in order to distract the viewer of how blindingly obvious the mysterious Fallon's secret identity was throughout the entire film. If so, maybe Christopher Nolan is a genius. Who knows? At number seven, uh, um, also expired musician, Prince in Purple Rain. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. He's perfectly fine He didn't want to be there. (laughs)
3: <laughs> well maybe uh, that's he's he seems so not into it man when he's looking for his dad and he's like where are you metafega and then he's like looking around and he does that double spin that he totally doesn't have to do it's yeah. amazing look, look we for ab- that we absolutely uh, we adore Prince
1: <laughs> Prince yeah. is amazing Prince was amazing he may have been an alien but I'm sorry he could have fucking put his back into it a bit more in that movie I, I, I love how just non-flossed he is though yeah
2: he's so cool well <laughs> Unbelievably Just impossibly cool
1: Well I've already made the list So I, can, on, I can't Can't change it now uh, number 6 Britney Spears In coming of age Classic Crossroads, Crossroads. That's fair yeah uh, Written and directed If
2: I remember correctly By Shonda Rhimes Was been, it? Yeah who then went on To like take over the
1: world With Shondaland Yeah there you go Jeepers. Wow It's one of her first projects Guess that makes sense uh, Dan Aykroyd's in it Justin Long Justin Long's what in it What happened I, to him? What happened to Justin Long? Die Hard 4
3: Was that it? And then kind of disappeared. <laughs> yeah. The hard uh, four is about, like... 8 years old You saw that in New York I did yeah It's a decade ago actually You saw it opening Night in Times Square It was called Live Free or Die Hard Mm -hmm. Yeah, With Um, a rabid crowd Rabid crowds That were just like In the aisles applauding The first kill Was just amazing It's just Your kind of classic American audience It was brilliant Okay Better than Crossroads Is what you're saying (laughs) Probably Yeah
1: I mean this was a Transparent attempt To capitalise on the Height of her mega fame And she hasn't really Done a second lead role since So it shows you How well it was At number 5 Rihanna In Battleship I didn't see it, but like I, I don't know. Personally, I just I heard about that movie,
2: and I was like, "Hang on, Battleship." battleship. Mm-hmm. Of all the things that were you know available for an adaptation, <laughs> how did they settle on a fucking Battleship? Hasbro
1: wanted to get into the game. Just my friend. sitting there, just going B three. Oh no no, but they brought aliens into it. Oh well. They that's managed all right. to make it like this weird mix of jingoism because it was made by Peter Berg sure. before he made Love and Survivor, the most jingoistic film of the last twenty five years. And also, you know, a board game update. <laughs> Rihanna's in there though. She plays a sassy weapon specialist right. who sticks out like a sore thumb because it's Rihanna. However, she does in fact get to shoot a missile into an alien's face and quip Mahalo, motherfucker. Right, So maybe she should be at the lower end of the list, I don't know But there, she's number five Number four, directed by Jim Sheridan 50 Cent in Get Rich or Die Tryin' The biopic based on 50 Cent In which he's terrible in How is that possible? (laughs) He's not
3: convincing as himself He is
1: not convincing as a man who lived this
3: exact life he then continued to pursue a film career though right then he lose a huge amount of weight for some very serious role where he was playing was it someone who hates us I don't, no, I don't I think, yeah. I think I don't think it did but I remember him posting photos where he just looked frightened emaciated yeah. Yeah.
1: he did appear recently though in Den of Thieves Okay, which I went to see it's the uh a free screening, by the way, I should point out, and part of my money for it. It's the uh, the MMA fans' heat is how I would describe that <laughs> film. Not as bad as you might think, and Fifty is perfectly serviceable as the right hand man of the kind of bad guy. Doesn't get a lot to do, but looks the part with a gun. Sure, I don't know. I can see him doing that. Uh, Jim Sheridan apparently wasn't... They didn't have a great working relationship. Right. Uh, speaking to Joe.ie recently, and to my colleague Rory Cashin, 50 Cent said that there was a lot of aggression on the set. Uh, Jim Sheridan yelled at me. He told me, You're fucking shit! People want this to be shit! You fucking get this right, 50! He didn't get it right. Yeah, yeah. Well, what? he didn't shoot him nine times, so I don't know who he's complaining about. He's had worse. Number three, and you might give out to me for this one, Mark Wahlberg.
3: Marky oh. Mark. In yeah.
1: The Happening... M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. Okay, That movie when the wind was out to get us. Remember that one? Yeah. Now, you might say, hey, Dave, come on, man. He's more of an actor than a musician, but he started out, he dabbled in the world of rap. True, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. That's right.
3: God, So he counts.
1: And that performance is legendarily terrible. (laughs) So it had to go in. I won't lie, I was stuck for a third one. <laughs> Threw him in. Number two, Jessica Simpson in the Dukes of Hazard. We put her in everything she's been in. Really, again, a very transparent attempt to put somebody in. You know, like scantily clad. Did she have Zelda enough of a movie. role though to
3: even be that bad? She's Daisy Duke,
1: mate. Okay. Yeah, but it's more remembered for the Willie Nelson featuring video when she danced around in a bikini. Hey, I didn't do it, man. Two thousand five, Hollywood did, and I don't agree with it. You know, <laughs> yeah. me, it Willie Nelson was loving it. But number one, guys. Drop that zero... And get with a hero It's Vanilla Ice In Cool as Ice In which Vanilla Ice Plays a bad boy From the wrong side Of the tracks A modern day update Of James Dean For 1990 Who comes into a town Clad in the most Ridiculous clothing You will ever see With the most Ridiculous haircut You will ever see With the most Ridiculous performance You will ever witness And he sweeps A young girl Off her feet And gets on the Bad side of the parents And the, the stuffy old Dean And the bad jock types And oh, by the yes. end of it by, it by the end all. of it
3: We're all dancing all Like it's fucking Footloose loose. <laughs> Sounds great, to be honest. I want to see it. He, oh, I would he nails it. He,
1: oh, no, he definitely, definitely nails it. But what it is, <laughs> it's just not good. Right. And, you know, Vanilla Ice once appeared on some kind of one of those like rehab shows or redemption story shows in MTV, uh-huh. and he kept using the phrase, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything. That's where I first heard it. Now, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but Vanilla Ice fucking sucks in that movie. <laughs> oh, and that was the top 10. Hopefully James Heffield can do better. Fingers crossed, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Dave. Thanks, you're very welcome. Uh, finally, in We're news, in <laughs>
2: uh, some interesting developments <sighs> regarding the Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, the uh, is right, man. This has been a developing story all week. Yeah, so they launched Countdown Clock on their website that was set to end today as we record uh, yesterday by the time this episode drops. Um, basically, it appears, uh, all signs suggest anyway, that it's going to be a reunion of sorts. Uh, Billy Corgan, James Iha, and G- Jimmy Chamberlain um, photographed in studio together, left out of the photo, and conspicuous by her absence, was Darcy Retsky, uh, the bassist with the band, long-time bassist. And basically, it appears as though she has not been invited or will not be part of this. Uh, and she's obviously come out and sort of blasted the band. Yeah,
3: there's that. been kind of back and forth. Like, it's been a week. It's been the entire 90s Smashing P- Pumpkins kind of drama in the space of about a week, and it's kind of tough to know what is really going on. I mean, expanding on a previous interview in which she called her exclusion a huge disappointment, she said that basically Billy has continuously been like misleading her. Um, so Corrigan initially kind of talked to her about you know this interest to kind of be in the band again, do it at the right time, and have fun with it in a relaxed environment. Um, the band have come out with a statement essentially saying that you know the offer was there, we'd love to play with her, but she just kind of never really turned up or never made herself available and now she's put them very much on blast and basically said Billy Corgan is a bit of a looper and it's that it's all about Billy, it always was and they're liars essentially and she's very upset with James. It's been interesting to keep track of because
1: the contradictions are flying thick yeah, and fast. Yeah. I mean like there was a band statement on Tuesday which, you know, kind of hilariously negates the point of the countdown clock because the band statement that came out on Tuesday <laughs> says in reuniting the smashing pumpkins the band's dedication remains to its fans and its music to that James Iha Jimmy Chamberlain William, William, William Corgan haven't played a show with Darcy Rescue for over 18 years but it's not for lack of trying despite reports she's been invited to play with us participate in demo sessions or at the very least meet face to face and in each of every instance, she always deferred we wish her all the best and look forward to reconnecting with you all very soon so giving her the WWE future endeavors line there at the end then she you know did another interview and yeah as Craig says She was flat out like, no, this is a lie. I've never been invited to anything. She suggests that Billy Corgan might have a brain tumour and that he needs an MRI, which seems like a bit much. Um,
4: But yeah.
3: Yeah. Like, she seems a bit much, really. I mean, when you read her quotes, you kind of think you can imagine Billy being like, you know what? I'll give it a go to get the whole band back together. And then her being maybe a bit difficult to deal with. (laughs) No. Like she says, in fact, my feelings were a little bit hurt because he did the solo album tour and he didn't tell me when it started. I was texting him saying, where the fuck are you, dumbass? He's like, oh, I'm in New York. The tour started. And, it sh- and there's just kind of lots of quotes where it seems like she might be a bit difficult to communicate with.
1: What I will say about that, though, is, I mean, like, oh, like you know, you got to give her the benefit of the doubt in the situation that it is kind of a three against one situation here. Oh, of course. And yes, it's yes, also, yeah. like, I mean, again, like, I mean, like, let's be fair, current climate, it's three lads kind of ganging up on a woman yeah, in a way. Yeah, that's a like, good point. Like, yeah. ultimately, like, you know, she could, in fact, be totally fucking right here. Yeah. She may have been completely taken for a fool and just dismissed. It could be the case. But obviously there is definitely. Fractures a fractured relationship there that isn't going to heal no. in time for this reunion and something obviously broke down somewhere along the way and whether it's Billy Corgan being a weirdo or, or being a bit of a dickhead himself or whether she just is a bit difficult because she was fired at one stage she was replaced by Melissa Tamar in the late 90s yeah, kind of yeah. early 2000s so you know this goes back a long time uh, I was you know I saw Pumpkins when they went on their first reunion tour in 2008 I've said it before it's the worst gig I've ever been to <laughs> the most disappointing one of all time because it was just so self-indulgent it was in the audience in 2008 coming up in 10 years actually at this stage and it was just horrendous like Billy Corgan like clearly resenting playing the hits playing them too fast or playing them too slow and trying to get through them and just jam for a while it wasn't what you would want it to be at the same time you know I'm hooked back into this new one because you know James I has back on board and I was hoping that it would have been the original four because then you're like okay well look you know maybe this could be the real Pumpkins 2.0 so I wish he was involved But clearly, it's not going to happen.
2: Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, to be fair as well, you were saying, you know, it it seems like three on one. Let's be honest, basically, it's just she's up against Billy Corgan. And it really doesn't matter what side the others are taking. It's Billy's way or the highway. That's how it always has been. Yeah. Clearly, he's got to be in his bonnet, it seems, in this particular case.
3: And this whole saga has kind of really drained any enthusiasm I had for this kind of lineup getting back together. Because, you know, I mean, he's been using the Smashing Pumpkins name. Um, we knew even in like the nineties that it really was him and Jimmy that were doing most of the heavy lifting. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't kind of like, let's get the whole team back together. It was like, okay, this will just be a nice nostalgia trip. And it very much is not happening that way. So it seems all a bit pointless to me.
2: Now, from reunion to break up. Uh, tonight, we shall see it happen in front of our eyes. Oh uh, Wild Beasts take to the stage in the Olympia uh, for what is officially their third last gig of all time. They bow out permanently this weekend with a show in London, but like I say before that, they will be giving us uh, a show right here in Dublin. And ahead of that, to mark the finish of the band. Craig has prepared a listening guide. Yeah, I'm going to get a bit emotional, I think.
3: It's Aww. going to be it's going to be a big night. I've got them penciled in for a reunion in like 2032 okay. and it's going to be brilliant.
1: With a uh, Darcy rescue on bigs. Exactly.
3: Yeah. So we've got 10 songs. This was really actually torturous to put together because they've got amazing amazing stuff over the course of five albums and about a decade of kind of putting out recorded long players. Let's just kick off with the first one.
0: Head strong, We still got the taste. dance in our tongues. Feel our bellies, and we feel alone. We still got the taste. dance.
3: That was We Still Got The Taste, dancing On Our Tongues, actually from their second album, though I will be now moving chronologically because I want to make this as complicated as possible for people. (laughs) Um, But that is maybe, I picked the first as an opener because it's an amazing opener. It's one of the greatest songs and it's kind of quintessential Wild Beasts, isn't it? It's from Two Dancers, which is seen, well I certainly think it's maybe one of the best indie rock albums of this century possibly uh in terms of the genre and it has everything it has that propulsive thing it has the rhythmic shifts and it has hayden torp doing that i believe it's high tenor as opposed to i always just say falsetto when it's some high voice but right. that kind of wordless thing which is just glorious um and yeah i mean and that is kind of as good an entry point as anything for a band right
1: i agree uh how did you get like i didn't know that you're going to limit yourself to 10 because I may have stalked your Spotify and seen at one point that there was 14
3: songs in here. And I was like, they're all great. Yeah, I had an hour and then... <laughs> yeah, you've fuck all time as well. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. I was really... Oh God, it was tough. I I don't really know how I pulled it together. My thinking became, this album in particular is so special that I think... I could have included a huge amount of tracks, but I just think people should go and listen to I it. I think I came to you right? like two days ago when you were mad busy, and I was like, hey, do you want to listen guide? <laughs> yeah, <yeah, yeah>, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I, I actually was too busy to do it, but I couldn't not do it. Um, so let's move on to actually their kind of debut and where we first heard. them. This is Vigil for a Footy Duddy from 2008's Limbo Panto. Okay, and immediately you have the kind of blueprint for what will be like the kind of classic Wild beast sound, yeah. but still a bit ragged and the Haydenthorpe sounding a bit wilder. And it's definitely kind of way more kind of wildly theatrical, I think. It reminds
2: me of our discussion about just like wildly melodramatic delivery yes. that we had last week, doesn't yeah. it?
3: It was kind of quite the, you know, breath of fresh air at the time. I mean, this arrived, um, it was the summer after The Enemy released their debut album, <laughs> we'll, live, we'll, we'll Live and Die in These what Towns. What a summer these, is that we, was. Thought, we thought that nothing could follow it, but... Uh. It, was, it was, you know, we're in peak Wombats territory, not, right. you know, Reading era Wombats. Um, and you had these guys kind of sounding like, I don't know, a modern Percy Shelley type stuff and just really drawing on... I think their key influence might actually be Kate Bush, as much as the associates are kind of mentioned, but that kind of, it sounded like her arrival, where it was just like, there were no limitations on the vocals, it was just anything goes, very artsy, very kind of British, um, and just kind of immediately captivating. And from the same record, our number three selection is this. So that's The Devil's Crayon and that is here because it kind of shows the other side of the band a band kind of with two front men this is Tom Fleming taking the lead here and much more the kind of lower baritone and a really earthy kind of strong counterpoint to the more theatricality I guess of Hayden Thorpe and um yeah, a really kind of inter- interesting juxtaposition that was introduced right there on the first album. I'm just getting so excited for the gig that we're going to in an error. <laughs> I genuinely am.
1: I'm just like, fuck, hang on. Yeah. I was like, this is such a great song. Yeah. It's such an excellent song. Yeah, like, you nailed it. Like, the juxtaposition is brilliant here. They play off each of other so well. It's great. I love it. Like, it's so sharp. Yeah. Like, it's just so fucking, like, interesting. And yeah, it's, I mean, like, I, I was thinking about this and how, like, Wabi's mm-hmm. never quite got to that next level of, you know popularity i guess and selling out bigger arenas and that kind of stuff they never really catered to radio but these songs are perfectly
3: accessible yeah the melodies are fucking there the minute they're like within 30 seconds there's a big hook usually yeah unless there's a very dramatic awesome build-up that's required shall we move on to their Mm -hmm. second album which we've already discussed in quite a lot of depth but this is the fun powder plot What Dave, you're a big fan of this one as well. I was going to say, I remember turning
1: to you at Forbidden Fruit, I believe it was, when they headlined one of the tents one year. This would have been 2013 or something, I want to say. And I wasn't terribly... I kind of came to all later than you did. And I remember being like, this song is amazing. What is the song called, please? Because I want to listen to it for the rest of the week. (laughs) And it was... Using Craig as a human Shazam. I (laughs) often do. uh, And he never lets me down. Well, occasionally. Sometimes. Uh Wild so Beast didn't let didn't necessarily let me know, but they didn't compute themselves when they played at Electric Picnic a couple of years later in the daytime. Sure. At like two o'clock on a Sunday. It doesn't it doesn't work. This band needs to be ensconced in a kind of cavernous darkness, I think. Yeah. With the disciples up the front and everyone kind of milling about together. And that's what I got. I mean like like I still remember turning to you during the song and being like this is amazing the guitar is amazing this vocal is so weird I love it oh my god like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and it's building and I listen to the song uh, constantly I listen to it like just today and it's such a funny belter like, like it it shows their wit I think
3: yeah yeah like they they really slot into okay maybe not um, they didn't make the anywhere near the impact but in terms of quality and in terms of being kind of cultish very talented and very kind of unratedly funny they're like the Smiths with like a libido Do you know what I mean? They're like a sexy. If Morrissey was a bit sexy back in the eighties, that might be wild beasts. Um, and yeah, this is like, that's what I was saying. People should just go to two dancers because this launches then into hooting and howling and all the king's men, and it's just as good a trio as you're going to get. Let's move on to their next album, which was Smother, and this is Bed of Nails, the opener.
1: Salting on the cover of Alice Cooper's classic Bed of Nails. (laughs) Have you ever heard that song? And seen the video? I'm not sure. Holy shit, man. It's the most 80s metal trash Hang on, Alice Cooper. No, I don't believe you. (laughs) Uh, I think it's like hit me with your hammer I'm going to put you in the slammer come on oh yeah he's like
3: bed of nails
1: that like, bed of nails that sounds like, like terrible sex talk well,
0: the like- Alice Cooper listening
3: guide coming next week on No Encore Yeah. <laughs> bed of nails <laughs> yeah um, and this is just like this is another example of their amazing kind of literacy and Dave as you said they never quite kind of like hit the mainstream they never played for that I remember talking to Hayden Torp and he was saying they wanted to have that kind of in-jokey thing they wanted to keep it Quite high-minded, and he he had that quote where he just said, you know, we're not trying to play to the cheap seats. Mm. Um, and <laughs> it's going to alienate you right there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on Smother, um, which people would say not quite as good as Two Dancers, I think it's right up there. It was actually kind of my proper introduction, where I just got a bit obsessed with them, and yeah, quite the opener. And the next song is also from that record, and it's one of my favorite songs of all time. All Reach a bit further. Yeah, that's really good, isn't it? <laughs> fond, fond memories of that, had a moment. One of of Craig's that electric famous picnic
1: performance. And you kind of just standing there in your in your coat, of course, a uh, picnic in your, in your full suit, and this coming on, and you just like putting both hands in the air, like nice. having a private moment in front of thousands of people who weren't really paying attention, but you were. You, yeah. were. you were fixated.
3: Yeah, no, it's a special song for me. I can't quite put my finger on it. There's something kind of very special about it. Um it might have been it's you know, what everyone's kind of favourite records and songs and stuff, just reminds me of a particular time. And I've said many times on this podcast when I did interview Hayden Thorpe, I had to stop halfway through the interview and just be like, Listen mate, for a second, and I just talked to you about this time I was listening to your song, it was really good and he was like, Oh thanks, mate. And then I felt Aww. like an idiot for the rest of the week. <laughs> See Well he seemed genuinely touched by it, but he was probably It reminds reason. Craig
1: of when he met me in the hot press office.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: takes them back every time yes of course it does let's move on to record number four and this was them very much switching it up Um, they'd been working with Richard Formby as producer for the first trio they decided to change things they moved to Dalston they moved to London which a lot of their kind of fan base didn't seem too taken with and they went electronic and this was the first kind of fruits of their labour that we heard
0: we'll it in beyond See you.
3: Yeah, so that was Wanderlust off present tense and. Um, what, a what, song. A song. Yeah. what a fucking song. What a song. What a
1: fucking song. This is amazing. It's an incredible tune.
3: Do you remember a few weeks ago I mentioned that I was having
1: cans in uh, Mick Galaxy's gaff? Yeah. Yes. And I put on Justin Timberlake Filthy. Sure. Uh, Mick put on a bunch he of was songs on the couch. he was right. popping and locking on the couch like a good thing and he made the song seem alright for about five minutes it didn't hold up but his dancing will never not hold up <laughs> to the end of time so he put on a bunch of songs as one does in these situations and he put on this and I was like I didn't know you were into Wild Beast and he was like I'm not really but I, I'm, there's something about the song he was like I'm completely hypnotized by it it's amazing and the video as well is tremendous and then like when that kind of synth line just creeps in towards the end it's just life affirming man
3: yeah and i mean for like they were switching up their sound quite a bit and it didn't just seem like oh we're getting into synths now it sounded like they had an immediate mastery over what they wanted what they intended to sound like it wasn't kind of you know the first fumblings of something it was this kind of great canvas and yeah they continue that on with our next track a simple beautiful truth So maybe a kind of, they did an amazing video for this, which is very kind of Kate Bush referential to um, cloud busting. But I don't know if it's particularly a fan favorite or a well-known one, but it just has that kind of tranquil side of Wild Beasts, which people don't always focus on. And they just nail this concise, beautiful, peaceful pop song. And for an album that's kind of quite underrated and gets a bit of stick for, oh, they're moving away from their roots or all of that nonsense. Again, the execution, just terrific. And we'll move on to their final album. This is track number nine. This is Dreamliner. So, kind,
0: so be kind to me now Like no luck found a vow Unchained dream-
3: Yeah, that was the closer, Dreamliner, and a bit of a, a bit of our major outlier, really, on that record, yes. which we talked about on this show, and was them going synth electro glam, tongue in cheek, even more so, um, and very divisive. But I think their first top ten album the, in the UK, really, um, yeah, which is a strange one. This is just kind of glorious really and it was kind of I think the you know the moment everyone was waiting for and that you know I okay, believe well, we it was George Morahan when was, he was yeah. on this episode
1: yeah. or on on the episode in particular on uh, the show yeah. when we reviewed Boy King and I think he mentioned that you can you can almost feel and hear the weight of the keys on the piano right. you and can like, hear the room you That hasn't it, yeah. left me like that description of the song hasn't left me and I think it it is it was a really good observation there's such a sense of place and
3: poignancy to this track. It's astonishing. It's a knockout. It's absolutely amazing. What they were really great at always was closing their albums. Like, they always had amazing closers, and this is kind of a great example of that. Um, so I thought it fitting to close with their closing kind of lead single thing, whatever. Um, some people might disagree with this being on the list because it's so recent and there's so many highlights, but I thought it was fitting. It was a kind of great goodbye And this is Punk Drunk and Trembling.
1: Collie they're going to go out dancing. <laughs> yeah, that's a,
3: it's a great kind of kiss-off, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. Yeah. It's got such a jumble of emotions going on there. It's Yeah, what do you think, Colm?
2: yeah no 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 it's a great great single i must say i mean i remember when they announced their breakup you we were like oh that sucks and then it was just like but we've got this ep and you're like hey and then it's like
1: and we're doing some final gigs and you're like hey, hey awesome. so you know and also we played this track at our last live show
3: yeah, yeah. and, I, Duh- I, and Duh- he was like i don't know if i like it yeah well you know he's
1: not a friend of the show anymore I'm, yeah I'm, I'm rescinding that status <laughs> so going to the gig tonight he is going to get to tonight Yeah, we're cool. so the stars will be back in an hour when we meet him.
2: Yeah, hey well, well, buddy, listen. If we're going to get to the gig, we need to move. Yes, here, right? come on. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. so what album were we listening to this week? Well, for the first time ever, I think on this show, our album review is with regards to a film soundtrack. Hey, what? Right. Sorry, what? A film soundtrack. Yeah, Dave
1: get out of town. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh.
2: What's more, it's a Marvel film. Get out of town. It is Black Panther. Oh, okay. And it sounds like this. Without you
4: I fight the world, I fight you, I fight myself I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorsteps Life in living hell, puddles
2: uh, Yeah, that was Pray For Me uh, from The weekend and album curator Kendrick Lamar. Now, of course, we've listened to one or two of the singles from this before all the stars, uh, Kendrick and Sizz's effort uh, amongst them as well. This album... Is obviously pretty special, pretty unique uh, in, in terms of musically, in terms of, you know, being a Disney affiliated major motion picture, so to speak. There's not been many hip-hop albums uh, that can
1: cl- make that claim. Hmm. Uh, Certainly not ones with Future saying, fuck me in the car yeah, on no. the Disney bankroll. It does occasionally get a little bit like, whoa, really? It's got that
2: parental advisory sticker on that lovely artwork. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess all things considered, it is an album that some people have
1: put an awful lot of importance on. Well, here's the Does thing. it carry it off? Well, I mean, like, there's a lot of importance on the film and the, the <laughs> fact that Black Panther exists at all. Yeah. In this regard, now, okay, so I guess some kind of quick preface. First of all, like when we reviewed "Lemonade" by Beyoncé, we are painfully aware that we are three white middle-class men, Uh, and there are what (laughs) there are (laughs) there are experiences and there are cultural uh, references and um, history, really, that we just we can't speak to, and we will hope to do our best while tackling this uh, on a surface level and also looking beneath the surface as well. And beneath that surface, you have this brand new Marvel movie. It's like the fucking I don't know fifteenth or sixteenth, I guess, at this stage in their Marvel Not Cinematic more, Universe, yeah. which is ten years old almost at this stage. Again,
2: you asked this as a quiz question. I know, I know, you know but there's been some. this probably been a couple since. Yeah, yeah keep sneaking
1: them out. So here's the thing, okay? I mean, like uh, that this exists at all is fantastic. I mean, like the fact that there are posters in which you have just two kind of white actors, uh, Martin Freeman and Andy Circus, dwarfed by the likes of Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Forest Whitaker, and so on, is great. Um, however like you know let's not kid ourselves let's not get it twisted this is a massive studio corporate movie this isn't you know this isn't Fruitvale Station where Ryan Coogler the director started out along with Michael B. Jordan they have populated this film and the soundtrack with the best stars in the game to use a term that you know I don't know if I'm allowed to use but you know black excellence is a term that's being used a lot by yeah. the likes of Jay-Z and Stormzy and Kendrick and that's what this album and film are supposed to reflect but like I say you know it's it's also there to make a lot of money that's why it exists but it's great that it's out there but but you know blade was there before in the like in the 90s like this isn't unprecedented and again disney are banking the fucking money here but at the same time like you know the likes of Stormzy who went to the premiere of this i mean like are championing this film because it is a sea change it is a cultural moment for uh, like a, a black audience who have never had this in their in their lifetime in their generation young kids can go to this movie and feel empowered and yeah. that's, and like i haven't seen the film i didn't get to the press screening and i haven't got a chance to see it yet i do want to but from what i've heard it's pretty much marveled by numbers yet again sure. but also it does have a wider cultural reach and that's fucking awesome so the soundtrack is a case of, fuck, let's really go for it here as well. And to that end, they've involved Kendrick Lamar and his, I guess, his kind of co-boss or something? Top dog? (laughs) Top dog, yeah. um, And some others to, to, like, you know make an all-star album, an all-star hip-hop album, an all-star R&B album, one that harkens back to African culture and also tries to, you know, use that kind of modern spin. So you've got the likes of Future and 2 Chains and Vince Staples and I Could Go On. The weekend we heard that one there. Now, the track that we heard there, I wouldn't call it an outlier per se, but it is the closing track on an album and it feels almost kind of out of place by the time you get to it. Um, what do we think of this album? All that said, I think it's really, really good. I think that the first half of it in particular is excellent. Yeah, I think it's one of the most enjoyable first five or six-track runs of the year so far. And it does so in a way where it manages to tell its own narrative, tell its own story, and actually drop you into this world yeah. and build the world around you and populate it with such incredible talent. I must say that handing the reins to Kendrick Lamar is a great
2: move because if there's one criticism of the guy that we have regularly or semi-regularly. It's that as a featured artist or when it comes to cameos, he has a tendency to phone it in. If they'd ask Kendrick Lamar to, you know, contribute a song for the soundtrack, there's a chance that he would have gone, oh yeah, whatever, you know, and given an off cut. Because they gave him, right, you're curating this album, you're going to be front and centre of this project. He stepped up and I think he probably brought some great work out of everybody that he got involved as well. Um... The one question that I would have in regards to this album as a whole, and I get that, you know, it runs parallel to something you touched on that this is a big studio production. This is, you know, a, a blockbuster film which is very much marketed at the masses. Is there an element of that on this album as well? When you listen to a song, particularly like Pray For Me, that feels to me like being the sort of play for the popcorn munchers, so to speak.
3: Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have those kind of concessions, I guess. And even, I think, without, you know, being prodded, um, if you're Kendrick Lamar and you're creating this creating this thing, you kind of subconsciously probably know, okay, here's the kind of tu- things we need to touch on, blah, blah, blah. But I think it really works because even if the movie is getting kind of, you know, blah reviews or whatever, the source material actually from the comics is very strong. I mean, the Black Panther... Is a very kind of important um, character to a lot of people. There's a huge kind of mythology there. Certainly, the thing of just being, you know, the king of this kind of fictional African country, um, Wakanda. And I think that is a great launch pad for Kendrick to just kind of work in the real world. He can jump off yeah. into his thing because the kind of themes of like the duality of trying to be someone that's peaceful and, you know, loved your brother, but also having a lot of anger within you and also being constantly in opposition to things and struggling against things. That's something that Kendrick's been really kind of dissecting and just ruminating on for, you know, the past, I mean, well, his entire career, but certainly the past two or three years in a huge amount of depth. And I think it lends itself really well to that. I also think it lends itself well in a way, like something like Gorillas did with Plastic um, Beach. I know, and Dave. I know you're not a huge fan, but that thing of like once you have this concept of okay, you've got a central location, you've got these fictional characters. Yeah it's a great move when you want to have a kind of posse record and sure. bring in different voices and people can just be airdropped in and it's this kind of like Yeah, so let's talk about some yeah. of the different
2: voices that are here as we like, we
1: heard the weekend we heard SZA before um, Before elsewhere, thought, you do
3: that sorry, not to speak up
1: but just uh, out of curiosity do you think any one artist steals this record? can uh, Blackrock Craig? Craig?
3: Uh, I would say, actually, Soundwave, be, uh, in terms of production, because sure, it's so cohesive as a sound, considering there's so many different artists.
1: Well, I was kind of go, I agree, Cullen, but I also agree with what you just said. Yeah, I think Eugen Blackrock is the star here. Did, oh, I yeah, mean, like, I kinda, yeah.
2: When you're splitting a track with Vince Staples, yeah. you're basically you yeah. know, going toe-to-toe. I mean, obviously, it's not actually a competition, so to speak, but like you know, that's a tough ask to hold your own. Never
1: mind steal the track. And she does. She's, She's a young South, South African bad. rapper, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that song, Ops... Cause, okay, Kendrick is credited on five tracks, but he's on more than five he's, tracks. He's He's, 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 everywhere.
2: he's in everything. Yeah. So he has a writing credit on every single song in the album. If Yeah, even if he's not a featured artist, he has cameos in a bunch of them. He's
1: all over this. That track, Ops, which I think might be my favourite on the album, is a live hand grenade of a song oh. in which they are passing the hand grenade to each other. Yeah. And it's like, who can outdo like, the next person who catches it? Yeah, It's got such an incredible flow... Everyone's bouncing off it. It's really interesting. Okay, Finn Staples just walks in and he—he's he, Vince Staples. Mm. Of course, he hits a home run. Yeah, Kendrick is awesome on it. And then fucking Nugent Blackrock comes along and it's like, well, hang on a minute. That's, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. And uh, can I have some more, please? Oh, yeah. I can't, I, because I guess you're gone now. But that's such a <laughs> great come <laughs> <Goodbye>. st- <laughs> But it's a great. But it's a great start. Making turn where yep. it's like you know, like just give you just enough to be like, okay, well now I want to go and find out about yep. this artist on myself. Uh, Craig mentions the duality aspect of the album, which I think Kendrick taps into very well, even lyrically, because we mentioned before on King's Dead where he mentions Killmonger. Mm. Which is Michael B. Jordan's character, the villain of the piece, although by all counts he's a layered villain, which is good. Um he starts off the open track Black Panther by saying, I am T'Challa, which Tchalla being the Black Panther name. Yeah. So he does juggle those kind of things. So yeah, he's been he's been reading his comics, he's been watching those rough cuts, he's been trying to dive into the story. Uh yeah, sorry, Colin you mentioned the roster here. The roster is genuinely overwhelming.
2: Yeah. I mean I mean I was just gonna talk about like some of the other standouts. I mean, I thought Schoolboy Q was great on this. Fantastic. Um I thought Anderson Pack. The mid album has that sort of new soul feel to it. It's yeah.
3: It's like it's like almost like a cleanser. It's a kind of m- more light-hearted thing. It's laid back. It's great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and uh, Georgia Smith as well is I suppose one of the less known names uh, in, on this record. And uh,
1: puts in a pretty good account of herself as well. She had a track recently with Stormzy on it, which is quite nice. Uh, yeah, she does a really kind of the song "As I Am" on this album, and it's very like naked, very elegant. It's very a torch back.
2: ballad, and it especially stands out in a record that is quite up tempo and quite
1: especially that. after those first five tracks. The first five tracks are just like there's aggression, yeah, aggression and pace, yeah, and then yes. it slows the pace quite well. Uh, All the stars, by the way. I've seen a lot of snobbery about this song. A lot of people kind of saying like ah, like it's toothless, yeah, it's and- not really interesting, it's got no claws. Uh, good pun there by Pitchfork. Yeah. Not only do I think that this is a fantastic song and that SZA is amazing on it, I think this song is going to have an incredible second life in the summer. I think this yeah. song is going to sound amazing in the summer. I kind
2: of agree. With you. I think it's a great song. It's actually grown on me over time. I yeah, liked it to start and it's grown on me quite a bit. I think people are quite snobby about it because, let's be honest, Kendrick... At this point, you know, culturally is an absolute icon and is a mouthpiece for, you know, some of the biggest social issues of our time. People are looking at this as though it's going to be like moonlight when it's a Marvel comic book movie. Yeah, yeah. The fact that, you know, this essentially is the theme song for a blockbuster rather than, you know, some sort of impassioned social dialogue. I think that's what's getting people's back up a little bit, but really it's about expectations. I was thinking
1: about this today. I was thinking like, I think people, the likes of Pitchfork, for example, are almost afraid to be seen as uncool if they champion this because... You know, it's it's following fucking Doctor Strange or Thor Ragnarok, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we can't really give it the full on you know. That said, I mean like you know, it's not perfect. And and there, I, are, there are issues of like kind of structure yeah. as uh, it goes along. But I
2: mean like to borrow your, one of your phrases like, you know, for instance, all the stars, that's Kendrick Lamar in friendly mode. You yeah, know, like yeah. that that that's a friendly yeah. game for him.
3: But yeah, but not not phoning it in in any way. No, like hell. that's like him doing pop the proper way. When you compare it as you were saying earlier to some of his like just features, I mean, it's a different level altogether. And yeah, it grows to me with every listen. I think it's tremendous, even if it constantly reminds me of "Let's Talk About Sex" by Salt and Pepper, which is actually a good thing. I think <laughs> SZA just soars, and I hope that makes her a massive star because she deserves to be one. Um, and yeah, no, it's it's an amazing anthem. Yeah, it's great.
1: Interesting to kind of backload the album with the likes of Travis Scott and The Weeknd, who are superstars in their own right. I mean, I don't necessarily feel fatigued by the time I get there, but you have gone through this gauntlet and this kind of... It gets very world music as well in those kind of last four or five songs before yeah, there you Yeah, there's a lot of
2: African influence taken in there, yeah. Uh,
1: King's Dead holds up really, really well. I mean, I I think that this album... It's not that it loses its way, but it the threads begin to unravel a little bit as it goes along. That said, it is... Like, like nothing else you're going to hear this year. And as all-star team-ups go, it's such a fucking incredible shining light of what's going on right now. Yeah. Numbers? Uh, I would go... Uh, provisionally,
2: I would go 7.5 because the last thing that I'll say is it's going to be very interesting to revisit this album once you've seen the film. If there's things that are going to make more sense, if there's things that are contextualized, etc.
3: Yeah, I think this will be a, a standalone. I'm giving it an 8. I think it's strong.
1: I'm going to go (laughs) 7.75 for the first time (laughs) because, yeah, no, I feel the same way. I want to still be listening to this in a few months' time. I hope that I am, but I can't lie. There's an element of not necessarily the pitchfork snobbery thing, but like knowing that it's not you know, it's tied to something bigger. It's not the most essential album of all time. Oh,
3: it's an eight, guys. Come on. <laughs> come on. It's the 100 episodes. <laughs> let's
1: revisit. Let's, let's, let's re- revisit, let's yeah. revisit in, in like a month. <laughs> all all right,
3: right. Okay. We'll come back to it, it. carried away.
2: All right, let's take a tilt off a few tracks that have caught our ear this week. One of them, uh, one member who's featured on the soundtrack for Black Panther, Sway Lee, he teams up with Slim Jim in his usual capacity as Ray Shimmered. This is called Teed Up.
4: and I lifted it up. Drain so fast I just not got the hiccups Took a shopping, and she think on the shoe flow. Come back from the dead, I feel like Frankenstein Five chains on my neck and they got hang time Niggas rap but they don't even stay around Rolling weed and baby, yes I hang glide Bringing them harness, in discussion Bad chick blushing, turbo bust Giddy up, giddy up I teed up
2: Alright, yeah, that is Ray Schrimmert, uh, duo with their tune teed up. Uh,
3: I, I mean, it's all there in those 30 seconds, really, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a nothing song yeah. for me, and it sounds like so much else that's going on. Um, totally fine, but I would say inessential, and when you think about the kind of massive hype around these guys at the moment, I'm going to need a bit more, to And what's be honest, more the yeah. scale
2: of their ambition? I mean, like, they have a record coming out... Are we calling this trim Strim, trim life sr three double M? We don't really yeah. know. But either way, uh, apparently, like it's going to have like a collaborative disc and then a kind of a speaker box love below situation with individual records for
3: each. I'm just not hearing it at the moment. I like I don't know where those ideas are going to come from because it's, yeah, uh, it,
2: it's going to be a data dump. And yeah, I mean, like they do like this sort of kind of skeletal form of of production, but it needs to be lyrically advanced if it's going to be able to carry that off. And yeah. this just isn't. As far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, This Could Be Us is a really fun song. and holds up. Black Beatles is great. Yeah. This isn't... uh, It's fine. Like, I mean, like, it's not bad. But I think, you know, you go in now with a certain amount of expectation if you've been following their career to date. And it does feel like an off day. Like, it just feels kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like, it's fine. But there's nothing in it which I could latch on to. Yeah. Uh, I found it very forgettable even
3: while I was listening to it, which is never a good sign. <laughs> like, <laughs> the lyrics are pretty terrible as well. Yeah, the writing are. is not strong. Yeah,
2: and, okay. like, and, like, and like I say, when there's not all that much more to hang your
1: hat on, <laughs> yeah. that's going to be a real bro. Well then let's move on, lads. Let's. let's be ruthless, shall we? Up next, uh, popular Northern Irish Beat Collective,
0: Ash. Then you fucking show up. But
1: That's called buzzkill. I'm not gonna make the obvious gag.
2: Did you yeah, enjoy it? No. It's it's this is painful for me as well because I love Ash. So do I. Um, mentioned on the show, I'm sure before. Like first band I ever saw live, I was 12 years old, and I could legitimately say they were my favorite band when I was 12. And I think thinking back, they were probably the first band that were ever kind of mine. You know, it's like it's not like they were in my aunt's record collection or they were recommended to me by a cousin or something. Like I found them, I bought their album, and I was just like, all right. I'm in. What would twelve-year-old Cullen think of this song? Well, you see, this is the thing. Okay, twelve-year-old Cullen would probably have been cool with it because Tim Wheeler is still writing like he's in his late teens, early twenties. Yeah. There's a bunch of problems with that. Number one, <laughs> he's not. And this <laughs> he is looks which, like he looks re- like you, re- which is, is fair, vital. Is, hold him well. <laughs> Number two is that, in fact, you know, the whole success of it was that he was belying his age, Mm. and that he was, you know, showing like an unlikely sense of melody in particular when writing at that stage. It's almost like he's going below where he was at. And thirdly, the fact that like, they were far from infallible themselves then anyway. It was kind of hit or miss, as sort of youthful (laughs) enthusiasm will have you. And this is most definitely a miss.
3: Yeah, this is very much a kind of buzzcocks, damned pastiche. Um, It's very thin and it's very linear and you know that kind of it works if you're the Ramones and you have an incredible melody to pull it off but I mean Tim Wheeler can pull off an incredible melody there's just nothing really here and actually with Ash I mean you know their debut album 1977 seemed to harken back to those kind of very simple basic things but actually they had a lot of beef to their sounds. There was always oh, yeah. that kind of metallic edge to things and that big kind of and there's just none of that here. But it was it, Very it, was, it,
2: it was just the melodies on that record. I mean, I still love that album and
3: Girl from Mars is Still holds up
2: yeah. Check it out guys But it's, gonna to, <laughs> but it's <laughs> your hot take, girl, yeah, take. It's it going God. to need to be Melodically really strong And this song definitely isn't
1: I sent it into the group chat Recently that I was in work And I was listening to Shining Light Yeah. And for some reason I've seen a lot of people Kind of criticise that song I think it's a classic Oh really? I think it's a wonderful song
3: I think
2: it's a great song Is, is it the sentiment That people Maybe. don't like? I yes. think
3: it was that Yeah that whole album Was like them Very much going the pop route but the songs are fantastic yeah shine light's amazing i mean i guess
1: asher damned if they do and damned if they don't at this Mm. stage of their career do you know i mean it's the same but different problem that every band runs into if you have longevity oh yeah and i mean okay to basically repeat what you said this is the sound of your mate's band when you were 16 after school and being like this is the best thing ever and if they're still doing it now you'd be like lads i don't know yeah, maybe get a job. <laughs> yeah. I don't begrudge Tim Wheeler. He seems like a lovely guy. Yeah, he is a lovely guy. I once uh, held an iPad up while Craig interviewed him to film it. Uh, <laughs> when Craig made memories, him, when, made when Craig made him cry in an interview.
2: <laughs> oh shit!
1: Yeah, I remember that well. It was uh, me there, like fff, iPad in his face while tears start streaming. So and it wasn't me making. Died, yeah, it yeah, it wasn't yeah. me making yeah, him cry. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. to be fair, oh, it's very nice and a real, yeah, it's like, like a genuine. A was a genuine
3: moment. he's he's a
2: really nice guy, sweetheart. And what's what's more as well, you know, you kind of said before the same but different like Ash have made a couple of attempts over the years they were one of the first people who came out and said oh we're not doing albums anymore yeah they had that. What was a single A to Yeah, H-Z. for a year the A to
1: Z project. Yeah, posting a song a day—that's ridiculous, lads. <laughs> Frank, <laughs> but who, sh- who would do it? Shout out
2: to yeah. Doctor Magicoco, a friend of the show. <laughs> but I'm, I mean, I mean, they've made their their efforts and like they've tried to change it up a little bit. And yeah, just when they thought they got out, they seemed to have been pulled back in. It was, it was actually it
1: was actually a shout out to my uh, my Twitter project, in which yeah. I'm. Uh, oh, sorry, oh, posting oh, a song a day. Fan oh, day. I love... James Bay is back. <laughs> it's <laughs> called
0: Wild Love. It sounds like this. I want to give you go where the lights burn In
4: your lonely mind. I want to give you wild
3: The river.
4: Uh, can I <laughs> <Sorry>. say? <laughs> like apologise.
1: Hold back the river, go looking. <laughs> can I say that song kind of grew on me? Kind of on me. It did. It did, okay. what a, did what a radio song should do. But he's uh, he's back now, right? Yeah. He has taken off the hat Yeah. He's cut his hair, just like brother Yosef. He's cut his hair like our good friend brother Yosef. And he's yeah. heard Bonnie Bear. And he's been listening yeah. to. He's been listening to some stuff, hasn't he? Yeah.
2: I mean, all three for the better.
1: No, first two, yes.
2: No, you don't, you don't think the change in sound is better?
3: No. Well, it's it's so... It feels Trendy, very chasing. cynical. Yeah, I'd respect him more if he stuck to the kind of Nashville kind of hit-making thing as opposed really? to... Yeah, no, I... And, like, it just sounds like so much we're hearing. It sounds like something that, you know, when James Vincent Memorial gets up in the morning... The stuff he hears in his head that like as he's pouring like you know milk onto his cornflakes that immediately he just goes Ugh, that's rubbish that he just shakes away <laughs> that's this song like yeah. do you know what I mean it's just the bargain basement of that sound
2: now, I must say if you're gonna do it I think you have to go in two footed here he's really been too tentative and that's why by the end of the tune it just it sounds like any old anthemic pop ballad There's all a of this, with a bit electric guitar
3: stuck in which just sounds like okay this is a bit lifeless nothing's happening just do something Yeah, it, like it really has that feel
1: yeah, I mean, it's designed for the top 40. It's very, like, you know, even, like, you know, wild love. Like, like it just sounds yeah. like a fucking... It's it's a, it's a boardroom song, isn't it? Like, it's a team of people. Yeah, it is, yeah. Telling yeah. them what to listen to, telling them who to sound like. Working oh, with producers who are that, obviously yeah. guiding him in a certain direction. He's yeah. malleable. Yeah. It's less an artist and more, uh, you know, a product, project, I suppose. Yeah. A project. I and, mean, like, it's, like, again, there's nothing here where you're like, oh, my God, this is, like, horrendous or insulting. But I, I'm, how do you get behind this? Like, yeah. how do you actually, like... Like, you know, like this is a song to be, like, you know, shared by the fucking record label. Look how many plays we got. I mean, like, one thing I will say, though, is I've spoken to a lot of people just by
2: chance who've either toured with James Bay, who've recorded with him, who've shared a studio, so on and so forth. And by all accounts, he's a very talented musician. He's obviously got a great voice. We knew that. But he's apparently really good. And has He's apparently really good. A, no, and has a lot of ideas for himself that yeah. may not necessarily yeah. have shown up to this. He's point. He's probably in
3: a really tough p- position in terms of you know people constantly talking to him. And yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, I mean, what I'm saying, I guess, is that you know th- this is something that he could potentially do okay in if he committed to it, hmm. and dedicated it to himself, and
1: got it right. Whether or not he will remains to be seen. I guess. Fair enough. Uh, well you know not quite the same music but some guitar action shall we some folky guitar action mm. It's the podcast debut of ockerville River
0: 70 hours.
1: You, to you gotta figure
0: how you to I know you're sober now just place chill
3: That was yeah. Ockerville River. <laughs> we saved it for episode 100. Yeah. Special occasion, I was like, what are we going to do? We're a live show. we got to do something.
1: <laughs> new Ockerville River track, you say? <laughs> this song is called Don't Move Back to LA. Um, I remember listening to this band a few years ago. They got a song called For Real, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, it's a good song. But I never really got into them properly, and I was genuinely surprised that they are still going. Yeah, And we picked this over the new L7 song, because I guess Cullen isn't into, you know uh p- post punk bands that peaked on the word in Let's the see, in the nineties. I'll wear that criticism. Yeah, <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, you know. I wasn't sure if you'd appreciate it, but he's taking it. Um this song is fine, I guess. I kind of it's a bit dreamlike. It's I like bit, it. Yeah.
2: I like, I like it, it, it a lot, I must say, yeah. Uh Will Sheff is basically o- Ockerville River, if you're not familiar. It's for all intents, this is a, uh, a solo project he gets band members in, but they have a bit of a revolving door policy. Um I really like this. I think this is just dreamlike, like you say. I think it's persuasive. I think you get the sense of kind of loneliness and disconnect that it's trying to communicate. I really enjoyed
3: it. But also, there's that kind of sunniness to the sound. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess with this band, they've always had that almost joyous thing to a lot of what they do, which is, you know, in contrast to a lot of that Type of American Oh, no, yeah. I think, like, um. I
2: I remember it was back around my school days. It was Toby Carr who introduced me to these guys. I think he fed me, um,
1: was it Black Sheep?
2: Black Sheep <laughs> she Boy was the album. I don't know if there was any drugs involved to in the listening sessions. But, uh, but yeah, I've always enjoyed them since then. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a really good single. Uh, album's out in April 27th, apparently.
1: And, uh, yeah, worth checking out. I'd that say. comes out one week, seven days after Sting and Shaggy. Oh, Jesus. Which, uh... W- 420.
2: Yep. Shit, come on. Man.
1: I was sent a sampler of the album, which includes uh, songs that aren't aren't the final mixes, but I suspect they are. I can't imagine you're getting those two back in the studio anytime soon. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Sting is going for it on some of those lyrics, which oh. I guess we'll talk about Yeah, we'll, we'll talk some, about At it. some other point. As for the song, yeah, I liked it. It's fine. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I was a bit busy this week, and I, it's the song I listened to the least. Fair enough. Was getting a new tattoo, mate. You know? Hang on. Very <laughs> busy. You listened... To this, this is this song of the week. Like, it's it has been a great
2: week. It's Calvin Harris <laughs> featuring Party <laughs> Next Door, and it's called No Ready, No Ready.
4: <laughs> Me not ready for all the things. Strapped up, cross map, dog, cause I need to know where you are. Can't keep it low in this time, cause you look side not can't
3: Did I pronounce that right, guys? Yeah. Sorry for spoilering that this wasn't the song of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the real song of the week. This is where it's at, man.
2: Book these guys for longitude. That's what I say. <laughs> real music right here, isn't it? This, you know photo fits in police <laughs> stations where, like, you know, somebody sketches the description of what somebody is trying to tell them. If you were to sit down, like, the audio equivalent of one of those guys with my dad, and asked him what sort of music do young people play. This is what he'd come out with. My dad would use phrases like hip to the groove and trendy and they'd come out with a tune
1: like this. It's fucking terrible. I'm just disappointed that Calvin Harris has taken all that goodwill and immediately just yeah. yeah. blush it. it down yeah. the Squandered fucking it. toilet like. Yeah. I don't get the party next door
3: thing, guys. S- oh, I'd move. I just kept thinking, actually... That's why yeah. he's <laughs> 100
1: episodes and counting. I,
3: I just kept thinking, like, oh, Sting is now thinking next collaboration because, you know, there's a lot of Jamaican stuff going on there. And he's like, you know, once Shaggy's yeah. a bit washed up, I'll just <laughs> trade him in That's, for uh, a party right. next door. Um, this is like, you know, that 90s dance thing, which is going around a lot now, yeah. <laughs> I hear. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I read about it in Newsweek. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not very good. as Dave, as you say, I mean, Calvin Harris has done some wondrous things over the past year. And now he's back to being Calvin Harris. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost like someone was like, what are you doing? Good songs? (laughs) What
1: a depressing way to end the songs of the week for the 100th episode. What Uh, else have you been listening to? Well, cheer cheer us up with something positive, Dave. I will. Uh, I'm glad you asked because I wrote a couple of pieces for Joe that I, in the past week, a couple of rewind features where you kind of do a retrospective on an album. Uh, So it's 15 years since Billy Corgan, the aforementioned William James Corgan, William Patrick Corgan,
3: one yeah, of those.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, tried to make us all believe that he was happy because he had a side project called Zwan yeah. which also included Jimmy Chamberlain it included Dave Pajo of Slint fame mm. uh, Pazlin Paz, Paz- yeah. Chatton yeah. of Perfect Circle I, I, I remember the Q and magazine Pixies.
3: interview where he assured the uh, interviewer <laughs> that it was a very democratic band and they were all great mates getting along yeah, yeah I'm sure <laughs> that was the case so Zwan
1: had one album it was called Mary Star of the Sea it came out in January of 2003 two singles on it Honestly and lyrics. What a Honestly, he's a bit of a cheer isn't yeah, no, it? It's a banger, yeah. Like it's it's fluff. It's sunshine as all hell, and once you stick on like the everlasting gaze on, on straight after, you're like, whoa, Jesus Christ! Yeah. But you know, he's in that video. He's all smiles. He's trying to live life and be happy, and the album is fine. It's grand. It's- I wrote a piece on it. I haven't listened to it in 15 years. To be <laughs> yeah, honest. it doesn't really, it didn't change the world, but I guess he needed to get out of his system, and it is, in fact, the bridge between Smash Pumpkins and Smash Pumpkins 2.0, and I guess we'll be reporting back on Smash Pumpkins 3.0 pretty soon. I've also been listening to Pearl Jam's Yield, which came out 20 years ago this month, and I wrote a piece on that as well, and right. I, I maintain that it was the last great Pearl Jam album.
2: Uh, turning back the clock, in a manner of speaking, I suppose. A curiosity got the better of me, and I checked out the new MGMT album, which is called oh, yeah. Little Dark Age. Any use? It's actually pretty good. It's it's a lot more focused than it was. They're certainly not quite going kitchens as kitchen sinky as they were, and they appear to be getting a bit older and a bit more reflective. Um, you know, for a band that really burst out as you know the ultimate sort of like you know rock star dreams. Yeah, um, yeah, things have changed. It, it's difficult to know if it's going to be, you know, a long journey for the rest of their career, so to speak. Like, there's a little sense that this could be it, but uh, it's actually worth checking out. It. It's just an album.
3: Okay. And I've been listening to Wild Beasts
1: fair <laughs> that's good yeah uh, i also gave the hookworms album one quick listen and on the strength of one listen it's good okay and great. i'm seeing everyone hail it already is like this is gonna be the album of the year so great, i need great. to properly get into it but on the strength of one listen micro shift is the name of the album okay. uh if you've never heard hookworms before really really go out your way to listen because to they're a fucking excellent band so that does it for 100 episodes of one core. Woo. Thank you, Craig, and thank you, Colin. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, listener. Legitimately, thank you very, very much. We your support means the world to us. Uh, you know, leave reviews that fucking bounces up the iTunes ladder, all that kind of crap. Yeah, tell your friends. Like, legitimately, we love doing the show, but we do it out of the love of our hearts. We come together every week. We're very busy men, but we love doing the show. And if you love the show, I'm not even kidding. Tell people, you yeah. know. Make, make us become an underground cult hit that actually makes money or something on it make us a yeah. mainstream hit while we're throwing
2: <laughs> out proper products as well by the way given that we've gone a hundred it's decent time to stop and to say thank you of course to our sonic architect Eve yes thank you very much Eve you're the best uh, thank you to Alan who as well as being the head stuff head honcho uh, was also the man who was producing us for a long long time in this thanks yeah. Alan uh, Paddy as well thanks, pa- fact, thanks Paddy thanks
1: T- Paddy Taz thanks, is Alan. at to the stand there's a bunch
2: it's of head Paddy. stuff people All who-
1: Guests we've as well.
3: We've had amazing guests over. Incredible the fucking as well. kind of roster yeah. of just you know people that are
1: like honestly, we're able to call upon fantastic guests that we don't do all the time because we don't want to dilute it. I guess and kind of yeah. overuse people. So we've been we've been lucky. We've been really fucking lucky. And uh, the people who do get in touch and tell us that, that like the live show is great to hear. You know, we can always get better. We're always trying to get better, and hopefully we will. It's only season three, but we love doing this and we love you very much for listening to us. And there's only one way to play us out today, and that's what we're going to do. So before we do that, my name is David William Hanrady. This has been No encore. There will be no encore. Thank you so much. Because if you What's threw playing? a party,
4: <laughs> you would see. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant. Always will stay this way
3: podcast is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
4: The been thinking about
0: McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it.
4: Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for
1: just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy
3: McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50